Shalom, everybody, and welcome to the Ishai Fleischer Show, broadcasting live from Judea to the world. You're a part of it, wherever you are. And as we are beginning our show right now, there's a rocket barrage that is coming out of Gaza and is hitting Israel. Israel is counter-striking right now at Islamic Jihad uh, rocket uh, rocket nests. Maka Fleischer, welcome to the show. Thank you for joining us. Hi, Yishai. Uh, thank you so much. Yes, there are uh, rockets being fired at cities and towns on the coastal plain. Um, I want to remind everybody here that uh, it's good to have water stored up and various supplies uh, for all kinds of scenarios. So uh, good t- good day to go to the grocery store, get a little something together, put it in the house, and hopefully you won't need it. Right. Well, most of our listeners, Malka, are not like in rocket range right now. They're right. around the world. Uh, but I, I, I want to just make it clear. This is what happens when you give your land away to jihadis. This is what happens when you give your land away, Gaza Strip, which we were living in, and we had beautiful communities in, and we and, and it was the labor government that cut up the Gaza Strip into parts so that Jews would be interspersed in there so that there wouldn't be a jihadist land contiguity, so that Jewish people would hold on to the land. And in 2005, Arik Sharon uh, asked the Likud whether they'd be willing to make a disengagement. We voted in that, voted against that, helped other people vote against that. It was an overwhelming vote. Then that vote... Uh, the the uh, what's it called when you ask the people Malka the uh, referendum. referendum was basically thrown out and the Jews were thrown out and it was given over to the PLO with their suits and ties and and the World Monetary Fund and all that kind of stuff um, yeah, the International Monetary Fund and then what happened Hamas took over destroyed everything turned that place into the underground instead of it being full of water and health and and and, and a place where, where Jewish people are born and and where exports come out of instead of that it became what it is now which is a jihadist nest a front line against a Israel a headquarters uh, and and of course there's some kind of sick you know relationship between Israel and the Hamas because the leadership of the Hamas uh, uh, has their fat houses on the beach and nobody seems to ever attack them. But in this case, it's not Hamas right now. We're attacking, fighting with Islamic the Jihad. Islamic Jihad, which is the closest organization to the Iranian regime and the closest like them. Uh, and uh, just uh, on Lagba Omer, there was a big attack against the Islamic Jihad, killing three of their top commanders uh, and uh, 10 other people uh, were also killed in these attacks. And uh, that was specifically targeting Islamic Jihad, specifically sending a message to Iran. And now we see that Islamic Jihad is firing back. Uh, There's currently uh, uh, rockets coming out of there and uh, a proxy war, a proxy war between Iran and Israel. Or let's put it this way. Iran has its proxies. We are fighting directly uh, against it. And that's what's happening now. But it all goes back not to how bad Iran is, but how how wrong-headed it is to give land away to your enemies. And, and, I, and I want to make one point to you, Malcolm. I toured this group of Israelis and a group of Americans on the same day, and they both asked me the same questions. They kept saying to me in different variations of the same theme. They said to me things like, well, what's more important to you, land or life? Like, is human life worth to give up because of the importance of the land? They kept saying these kind of things. It seems like a reasonable question, right? right? And I kept saying to them, you guys are so missing the point. The equation is a false equation. Your equal sign is on the wrong side of the equation. It should be land 
equals defense and life, not which one is greater. But 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 if you have land, put it on the put 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 the land plus life equals good. Right. Uh, land plus tanks and jets and God's help equals good. Uh, uh, giving up land means giving up life because you empower the jihad, you empower their story. They're not like, oh, you gave us land, now there's peace. That is a completely false equation. Okay, it's the equation is, oh, you gave us land, that means you're weak. And if you can't understand these things in your guts, and you, and if you can't understand them in your guts, at least understand them in your brain. But if you can't understand that in your guts or your brain, how the Middle East works then just like take your foot off the gas and don't engage because you just don't get it. You don't understand how it works around here. Give away land, you are ensuring that there will be more war. That is, and, and, and I want to say Ruf Kahana had a very famous line. Do you know what his line was? His line was, your peace will bring war and my war will bring peace. And I think there's a big truth in that. You know what I mean? There, this, there, there is a, this peace we gave away, we did the disengagement, it brought only war. And I remember, you know, it hurts me. It hurts me because I still remember hugging poles in Gush Katif in Gaza and being like, no, like, I don't want to ever leave you. This is wrong. And I'll tell you, Mark, if we... Hugging poles? Yes. I was in a parking lot of the municipal building in, in uh, the main town of, of Gush Katif, uh, in Neveda Kalim, and I was by myself about to, leave, about to drive out or something, and there was this, like, red and white pole and i like you know and there was nobody around and i like hugged it and i was like no i don't want to see you destroyed i don't want to believe that you could be destroyed like i just i looked at the infrastructure and the buildings and the things and yeah, i'm it like seemed impossible but it was possible you know something in my heart told me that it was possible although in my in my i didn't think it was well speaking of those times i just want to say that the latest report is that nine rockets have been fired at Sterot. Mm -hmm. uh, every one of those, thank God, has been intercepted by the Iron Dome missile defense system. Good. Um, which is its own complicated question, right? Because uh, I remember in the days before Iron Dome that Sterot was such a besieged city and that they knew that they everyone had 15 seconds to get to cover at all times. It was, it was a nightmare city to live in. Right. And I remember that around those times of Gush Katif, a little bit afterwards, really, we dreamed up like a little mission through we were working for israel national news and israel national radio at the time and we decided that we would um we would recruit money donors and they had created in steroid they were trying to like bring a little bit of cash infusion back into that town because no one was able to work or do anything for so long because rockets were were sh shooting at them and people were trying to leave there and their real estate prices went down and it was children were wetting their beds at night and it was just such a difficult time and we raised something like i can't remember now i want to say it was like a thousand it wasn't even that much money i think it was 5000 shekel yeah it was like a thousand or 2000 dollars i think it was like about 2000 dollars at the time it was like 5000 shekel right yeah. and we went down there and we our our mission which was frankly a fun mission for me i won't lie our mission was to go to local stores and just buy stuff just buy stuff give give business to the people and then to take the stuff that we bought and give it away right so we literally i went shopping in this store and i stopped a lady and i'm like hey do you have any kids and she's like i have a daughter i'm like come with me and we went and we got this daughter like skirts and shirts and backpacks and we got like eight backpacks and like 10 skirts and socks and shoes and all this stuff and we said and toys 
and we said to her that she should give away she should take what she needs and then give away to other classmates i remember that um, all too well of her daughter Mm -hmm. absolutely and uh and you know it feels sometimes like we're going a little bit backwards thank god you know really it's like we have this iron dome missile defense system which is really miraculous i mean the the way that people used to live under these rocket attacks was under true fear of of death and horrible damage to their to their homes and to their businesses and fear on the roads and now with iron dome like the fear level has gone significantly down Mm -hmm. and i think iron dome is like 92 percent accurate i mean it's very good yeah it's a very good system it's saved so many lives it saved so much property yes and no yes and no but then again on the flip side it means that we're able to be like calm about Right. Attacks he, on us, which is not a healthy mindset. In, in Hebrew, there's a word for it. Lehachil, hachala, hachala, to like accept, to basically be able to swallow, to be able right, to it's like, like. okay, well, that's not, oh, no, rockets, well, that's not good. Yeah, but. All but right, we but we have, it, right. the, you know, the Iron Dome missile defense system. Right. I was reading some article, I think it was by uh, Professor Mordechai Kedar, and he was talking Who about. Who is on that. this week's show? Oh, is that right? Yes. How do you like that? Yes, absolutely. So I don't know if he talks about this on your, on your, if he's going to be talking about this. Um, But he gave like a little analysis of what our arsenal looks like. And he said something like, we have enough iron domes for like three days of intensive rocketing. Right. Like three days of like real, not like this, where it's like a few rockets every once in a while, but like Hezbollah, Hamas, everybody goes totally nuts. For three days, we can shoot everything out of the sky, and then out of three after three days, we we don't have right because it's probably expected that by day two we counter strike right. and start to smash the rocket right. launchers. Assuming that what you're what you have is still flyable and that your skies are still flyable, they're going to be flyable. These things are hidden under Shalonida, but it's but it's well, uh, you say Shalonida, which means we should not know from it, but like you know what I mean? It's it's. It got significantly heated up. The situation is now like the killing of the uh, the Islamic Jihad operatives was uh, a surprise move by Netanyahu, who is known to be not an attacker, right? Not a hawk. Not a hawk in in physical conflict, and it was surprising. Gallant, the de- defense minister, is that kind of guy. Maybe not politically, but in in physical action, he is and always has been. You know, this was a, how should we say, a throwing down the gauntlet to Iran and being like, no, no, we're taking right, it. Right, which is, and the, it's also in an interesting backdrop of lo, of our local internal politics in which the Otsma Yehudit party had basically boycotted the government saying that Israel's not being serious about, about um, defensive measures right now. Right. And that, that Otsma Yehudit is not going to participate in, co- in, um, cabinet meetings until the government gets serious right then the government got serious otsma's back to the cabinet meetings you know what if i if i didn't know netanyahu better i would say if i didn't i would say that what netanyahu wanted to do was to force a conflict with iran now and get it out there why because probably they have uh, intelligence saying that the god forbid nuclear bomb could be ready and so, therefore, I would have guessed that he's like, no, we have to s- start with him now uh, in order to kind of get into a bigger conflict. So what, that to get into a big conflict with Iran so that we could, you know, have the legitimacy to, to deal with it. What? 
I'm saying that this n- is a this is an interesting theory that you have not brought up before. I I don't I don't think that I believe that, uh, I, it's, but it's I think idea. that mm-hmm. that that would have made sense to me in terms of timeline. It, it, you know, as as much as I understand Netanyahu, which is not an easy person to understand, a complex person. You know, that's you know I I wouldn't guess that that's the type of behavior he would engage in. But it, but strategically speaking, or or no, tactically here in this case, if you're if you know, and everybody keeps on telling us that there's like ten days left until they're going nuclear. You know, it would be a, I mean, the right been time. Saying, they've been saying warnings like this every few months. But they the have real intelligence. But they have real intelligence. And the point is, is that like, you know, it could be that it was the right thing. And not only that, there were some civilian casualties here, which is, again, you know, th- in in this last strike against Islamic Jihad. Right. There were uh, civilian casualties. I mean, there could have been hordes more we're talking about amazing technology amazing abilities i mean there's like a rocket that went through the kid's bedroom and only hit the parents bedroom wow. but there were kids and and others right. that were killed in 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 the strike right which is um, which is which is you know unfortunate uh, at the same time you know there's a war on and and there's nobody on their side ever talking about it being unfortunate that they're killing our kids in fact they're aiming for them Right, that's what happened with the D family. We're talking about gunning down directly, and then right, it's sort of ironic. I mean, it's very honest to goodness. It's very sad when little children are killed in conflict like this, and it's it's a terrible thing. And absolutely, we all hope for a a day when things like that are not happening anymore for anybody. But I will say that it is ironic that when rockets are are launched arbitrarily at cities knowing that it's not like they're be all being aimed at like an air force base in Beersheba or something like it's not like we're trying to hit this army base or we're trying to hit this air force base or we're trying to hit this naval base they're not trying to do that they have never suggested that they're trying to do that there's absolutely no indication of that at all they fire arbitrarily into Israel knowing that these rockets are going into like not military places into civilian places so then when these rockets are fired into civilian locations and then people get upset when there are the combatant you know civilians are are hit it's it's a little disingenuous absolutely uh this operation started on lag bomer right lag bomer is the holiday you know that we celebrate the the victory of the jewish torah over the Roman oppression, Roman occupation, Roman dispossession, uh, and dispossession of our Torah. And we repossessed our Torah in the land of Israel with the advent of the Arizal and Sfat in a, around the year 1550, the rebirth of the Jewish people in the land of Israel. So Lag Bomer has become an important holiday that celebrates the victory of, of Torah and the victory of Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai over, over the Romans. So uh, this operation started exactly on that day, and it was, you know, there was something. Uh, funny about it in that in that or something you know not funny is the word i'm looking for it's you know something noteworthy that you know this is the holiday of like fire and suddenly there's these fires and of course there was there was some dark humor made about like here's you know uh, bb's bonfire that kind of thing the way it started for us uh was actually maka i uh, had you went to a wedding we'll talk about that in a second and i went to the porch right here and uh we have a little um a little fire pit, and in that fire pit, I made a fire, and we broadcast the Mayron celebrations live, and it was really fun, and uh, we 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 danced, we sang Bar Yochai Nimshachta Shrecha Shemen Lechaverecha, we sang around, and we watched the live, the, we watched the Rebbe light the the fires in Mayron. It was really special, 
uh, and and it was fun. And then we went to the farm, uh, the Ari and Jeremy farm, the Ari goat farm, which was really really fun. Uh, and a lot of our friends were there. You went to a family in uh, to a wedding of yes. family at the H building across from the Western Wall in Jerusalem. Right, big Mazel Tov to the Lehman family, um, to Ariel and Nadav. And uh, to my cousin Barbara, my mother's cousin, this was a big opportunity for me um, because I got to meet my mother's cousin and all her kids, um, family that I had never like really met before. And they made Aliyah. They're living in Beersheba now. It's so nice. So this is like my first. I mean, I have like a little bit of family in Israel that we're not so connected to. Uh, Great people anyway. But this is like my first family in Israel. Well, muscle tough to yeah, them. Yeah, and so it was a very beautiful wedding, and it was on the night of Lagba Omer. Wow. And it was on the top of the Aish World Center um, building. Uh, Aish is a um, Torah outreach um, organization. Sure. And they're very strong and very well-known throughout the world. And they have this gorgeous building in the old city of Jerusalem with like an epic view of the Temple Mount from the roof. And they had their their wedding there, and it was cool because they had like their you know music with their wedding, the little the little like bandlet that comes and plays next to the chuppah. But really, what you could hear was like all the celebrations going on, like all the Bar Yochai music that was playing, because people were celebrating Lag Boomer all around in so the good. old city. So it was really really beautiful. And then uh, then I left there. And I came to uh, the Aru Goat Farm, Ari Abramowitz and Jeremy Gimpel's beautiful farm, Tehila Gimpel and Shana Abramowitz also. Um, And we got together with our incredible friends and there was fire and there was laughter and there was Torah and there was, uh, it was just a really, really beautiful time. Well, two things that you mentioned there remind me of two other things that are important. First, uh, uh, Ari Abramowitz uh, is our good friend uh, and part of the fellowship and part of the Land of Israel Network. Uh, but his beloved father passed away um, a, a few weeks ago. A few weeks ago, right as I was about to leave to America, Michael Abramowitz. Michael and I had a great relationship in his life. Uh, he was he was Ari Abramowitz is one of the funniest people we know. Like he makes me you know you laugh when I have coke in my mouth. So so like comes out like, your nose, comes out my nose. That kind of funny. Uh, but Michael was was really a, a you know a man who had a zest for life that was that was unstoppable uh he was funny ari got he his was really funny and not just him but the whole bromwitz also our ari sisters funny as well uh and and uh, michael had had uh, uh, uh not only did he have a zest for life he had a zest for judaism and his funeral was such a great funeral and i say that you guys might be like great funeral and I, and I told this to Ari, I love a great funeral. Somebody who lived their life fully and is talked about by their family in a loving way, you know, that is the best thing. You live your life, your, your, your kids remember you, your wife remembers, your husband remembers you, you did a great job, and grandkids remember you, wow, that's a, that's a win. Right. Uh, and Michael LeBron once definitely had that in his life. Um, he uh, had a, uh, 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 a childhood disease uh, diabetes diabetes, and was given not a lot of years to live and, and every year that he had was way more than they expected but he lived it totally fully uh, and even at, towards the end when he was like in a wheelchair and, and having accessibility issues and all that kind of stuff still always a great sense of humor 
And also one of the great things about, about Michael Browns is that he liked me, which was really uh, <laughs> kind of surprising. Excellent. Yeah. yeah. And, and, uh, and he was just part of the scenery, part of the people. And, and it's so fun. You know, our kids are now part of the Hevra, but the parents are also. My mom is also another, you know, and, and Michael Browns was part of the Hevra. Uh, he will be missed. He lived a good life. Uh, I cry that beautiful he's children. He has beautiful children, beautiful grandchildren. I cry that he's not here, but I'm not sad because I think that he he lived a he lived a great life and a full life. And we should all be zochet to live a right. life like him. Today's show is dedicated to Michael Abramowitz. Uh, we also have another little dedication. You know, Lagba Omer on a, on a totally different note. Yes, Lagba Omer uh, was such an eventful day this year, and one of the most exciting things. For me was so I got to go to this wedding family and then the next day my first cousin Matt gave birth to his first child with his wife Catherine beautiful Jewish couple beautiful Jewish baby and I just want to give a, a big mazel tov and a welcome to Flora Millie Rosen who was just born just came into the world and we're so happy about her mazel tov mazel, mazel tov that's right and we're we're wishing her parents uh, great health and happiness uh, an enjoyment Monica, from your her. family increased. I know. And then yesterday, you had a cousin. Like, we don't have big families. So we right. don't like have a lot of family. Yeah, we're not news. like cousin talkers. And then suddenly it's like all this family up in here. Anyway, your cousin came, Ishai. That's right. my, my cousin Rabbi Levi Picard. The first, I think, how do I want to get it correct? I think the first U.S. Air Force officer to be permitted to have a beard that's right he is an he's a air force chaplain a chabad rabbi but he's but he's but he does muslim stuff he does he's a he's a chaplain for all faiths. right he knows how to be a catholic right. he knows that he's well, multi- he doesn't know how to be a catholic <clears throat> he can take confession okay no i mean i he does hear all he, he basically was telling said us that he hears that he's like a like every kind yeah. of thing he's like a confessor can he's a he's doesn't sit he's like a, a confidant, not a confessor. I don't know. I just love. I, I, that's actually my favorite thing about Catholicism. That's the one thing I always thought that that was a good one. That's a good cathartic thing. Like just get Listen, in there. Yeah, yeah. Go in the box. This, this, say this. What you did. <laughs> I always thought that that was a good one. I was like, that. That's a yeah, good one. Here, do uh, this stuff, and then you're gonna we, be okay. I, I'm sure we Jews would benefit from a thing like that. Imagine if in our town here there would be just like a a random little room. You walk in, and you're like, look, <laughs> Rabbi. Uh, yeah, but you'd need to make that thing like soundproof, electricity proof, all kinds of stuff because just wait until yeah. like somebody plants a little camera in there or something. Okay. Okay, Maka. Well, thanks for taking it there. Um, speaking of all that, Maka. But it, it's true. A little getting it off your chest. Yeah, it's good. It's it's really good. It's really good. You need it. You need it. You need it. You need to let it out sometimes. Uh, I want to say, Maka, that what to Arya Bramwitz's, uh, uh father's funeral uh, the cousins coming in the wedding. What does it all have in common, Malka? Jewish food. You got to have food, Malka, and that's you don't why you have to tell me twice. That's right, and that's why uh, we are very proud that one of our sponsors of the show is Prohibition Pickle. Prohibitionpickle.co.il. I myself have been healing my gut through eating. That's right. Uh, I've been eating Malka um, crunchy. What's it called, Malka? What do I call it? White white broccoli. What's that called? The cauliflower. That's right, cauliflower. White broccoli. <laughs> Albino broccoli. I'm sure some of you can relate out there. Some of the people out there listening are like, thank you. The what? They're like, I also call it white broccoli. Yeah. You know that there's people who do that. Yeah. So Prohibition Pickle, uh, Chaim just brought over some great, uh, uh, um, what's it called, Maka, the stuff that I ate, sauerkraut, 
and there's different color sauerkraut. There's yeah, there's like, like a, a purple one. There's a purple sauerkraut. And yeah. this stuff, this stuff is good for you. And my friend Baruch Brenner told me that it has like the most vitamin C, and it's really yeah. good for you. So I'm enjoying it, and it's and it's and it's keeping me healthy. And that's just the healthy stuff. There's also the the good Jewish stuff. Yeah, the good Shabbos stuff. Uh, I just want to give a little update here. There are still rockets being fired. It seems at Israel. Um, and that, while that's that was not a great segue. I'm sweetie. sorry because it's like a it's like a breaking news. If you're gonna have to sit in your safe room. You probably need to eat something. So yeah, take your call prohibition take your pickle, kraut. and Chaim will put on his 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 his, his helmet, his helmet, and deliver yes, to you some prohibitionpickle.co.il. Okay. I just wanted to say I saw this very beautiful article. I guess I got excited about it because it was so nice. Yeah. Um, the Israel Midwives Association has come out with an announcement now that there's this op- we're in an operation. I don't know if you know, like we're talking about rocket fire, Wait. but there's an actual name for this operation now, and it's called Operation Shield and Arrow. Okay. Um, again, Vachetz. Vachetz. Yeah. Magen Vachetz. Yeah. Which I'm a little bit upset about because the operation began on Lagba Omer and I wanted it to be called Chetz Operation Chetz Vakeshet, which is bow and arrow, which right. is like a Lagba Omer reference. And right. that would have been wicked awesome. But we didn't do that. That's okay. But I just wanted to say that this association of 1,400 midwives working throughout Israel has come out with recommendations for pregnant and postpartum women and they're trying to like get everyone to calm down basically Mm -hmm. because they know that people go into labor they go into labor or they get nervous they get like postpartum depression and all kinds of stuff um and they are recommending all kinds of like little nice things like they're to you know online support groups communicating with family members they're literally recommending that pregnant women dance it out listen to music and dance around um, staying positive and staying off the phone. Basically, don't don't read the news. Right. Conscious breathing. Uh, and they gave directions for people about like I'm, I'm how you do conscious breathing, uh, how you hold your breath and repeat all these number of times. You know what? I want to tell you something. Um, people, and I people, just I think it's sort of like wonderful that the Israel Midwives Association has come out with like a public service announcement for women throughout the country um, of how to deal with this situation. It's also a little heartbreaking, truly, because it's sad that our beautiful sisters have to be worried at a time like this. Uh, yep, and but that's part of Jewish womanhood because Jewish Jewish peoplehood has been per- perpetuated through nervous Jewish women having to deal with, with bad with times. Situations. And, and, and yeah. still having those Ain't babies. Uh, I, I'm just happy I didn't even know there was a midwives association. I didn't either. Now we know. Let's just hope they don't go on strike. Okay? Yeah, for real. Yeah. But yeah, I don't think they are that see, kind. See, see, but this is what I was talking about. Reminds me, remind me for next year, Parshat Shmot. Right. I want to make a day We should meet with the Israel Midwives Association. I would like to make a day celebrating Jewish birth. Let's meet with the Israel Midwives Association. Yes. That's a good start. Okay. They would love that. I'm excited, actually. I got, I got ideas. They're cooking. They're cooking like a baby Speaking in my brain. Speaking of ideas, Isha, yeah. you, had, you had an idea this week that didn't go over very well. Oh. Would you like to talk about that? Sure, sure, definitely. You had a definitely. difficult idea that almost got you in a heap of trouble. It basically yeah. did get you in a heap of trouble. Yes, I will talk about that in just one second. Speaking of deep breathing, though, and relaxing, you know what's really relaxing? Cycling through the land, bicycling through the land of Israel. Especially if you have the puffy shorts. You need the puffy shorts, but Please you also need... Please wear the puffy shorts. You also need a great guide. Mm-hmm. You also need kosher food and a minion. Uh, and my good friends at Kosher Cycle Tours will provide that for you with excellent bikes, high-level stuff. 
and will chill you out and you will see the land so beautifully. And if you want to expand yourself and see the good land past the borders of the land of Israel, that's also available in the Alps and different that's places, wow. the Italian it's Alps. It's a beautiful world out there. It is. It is. It's Hashem's world. I like to say, by the way, people, you know, I was in Colorado, people are like, this is God's country. I'm like, well, it's Elohim country. That's very, that's God. Uh, but compared to Israel, that's Yud Vavke country. That's that's the Tetragrammaton right. country. Nice. Okay, those who understand, understand. In any case, koshalcycletours.com uh, will take you there. And I'm proud that they are sponsors of the show. My good friend Aaron is is an amazing tour reader, amazing uh, a cyclist, and just a great Jew. And keep up the good work, koshalcycletours.com. Uh, this week, um, I got in trouble. I turned on my phone Saturday night and wanted to, you know, write my Shavua Tov, Happy New Week tweet. Lo and behold, I look at my email, I see that like there's all kinds of weird messages from Twitter basically telling me I've been canceled. I've been oh. de deplatformed. What does that mean you had like a 7-day Twitter jail? I was banned for life for what turned out to be 24 hours, okay? <laughs> well, you're not supposed to give it away. No, what happened was is that I was banned for life and I got an email saying no can do. Then I went through the appeals process and they're like, it'll take five to seven days to consider it. Within five minutes, they're like, sorry, we considered your, your it. Your account is permanently suspended. That's right. And and it's- You had 19,000, over 19,000 followers on yeah. Twitter, like organic, real followers, people oh, yeah. who followed you. Yeah. And it said, and it said, don't- don't try, even try this. Don't even try to work around because we will get you. We'll shut We're you down. We're done with your face. Your face is out. We have deleted your face. And I was like, um, but my first instinct was like, okay, we're going to fight. We just got to fight. Just got to fight. Just got to fight this out. So um, I basically wrote to every single influencer I know. And first and foremost, my good friend Steve Levitt uh, at Jewish Press wrote an article. And they immediately wrote an article about my plight. And already some of the, the Twitterers that were with me, including Julicious, including Hillel Fold, including right, people Fleur that Hassan. you don't like totally 100% see Israel the same way with. Right. Not, they're not like, you know, That's right. necessarily totally on the other side of the aisle. But these are people who like don't agree with you on everything. Right. So JewishPress.com wrote this article. I Wait, said, do you want started, to talk about why you got banned? Oh, what happened? I'm oh, sorry, I forgot. Why did I get banned? Because I wrote in, in relatively polite language, in relatively diplomatic language, I wrote, since there was a debate in Israel about giving terrorist bodies back to their families for burial, I recommended, don't do that. Throw the bodies into the sea, thereby stopping the potential jihadi funeral and and martyrs so and if israel has killed a terrorist we, and and it has the body in their right. possession in our possession then throw it into the sea now uh you know and 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 signal to the jihadis that it there's finality right and they're not going to get to use this body for like the next jihadi right. I, action right and i said i said there's no second life once you lost your life and attack in Israel, you're done forever. And there's no like, there's no great grave, and there's no, you know, this is that. You're, 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 you're done. Know, you're gone. And what I didn't mention is that that is, of course, the Obama policy with Osama bin Laden. And then my daughter mentioned to me very truly that this is actually Israel's policy with Eichmann. They threw right. Eichmann's body into the sea for the same thing. They 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 uh, uh, cremated him and 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 and, and, and scattered him. the ashes. So, 
so what happened was probably is that a group of anti-Israel uh, pro-Palestine folks, which are basically hounding me all the time, since I am a, a magnet for, uh, what are they called? Uh, trolls. Trolls, right. I'm a troll, troll magnet. Troll magnet. Right. Um, you know, it, they they basically got together like 100 of them and reported me to, to Twitter. And Twitter basically banned me. And, and the algorithm decided, the almighty algorithm decided that I was no longer fit. A worthy human. For, for, for freedom of speech. And so I was banned unceremoniously from Twitter. Wow, and it was a scary little moment there. It was, but I, I really felt immediately. I had, I had to. I really wasn't that scared inside. Really? Yeah. yeah. So you slept fine the night that I did. You're, I did. I and know. I'll tell and I'll tell you why because I had two thoughts. I was like, I'm gonna fight this, and I, I got a feeling I can win this thing. And I was like, and if I'm banned forever, I just gain like an hour and a half a day to do. I know. Other I'm things. like, wow, what hobbies will you do? Right. I was like, I was like, all right, I'll do this and that. I'm like, I, I like I. And then I was like, and I'll fight. And, and indeed, I, I wrote to everybody, uh, very you know, influential people, including Ben Shapiro and other people. And I got responses and retweets and tweets and people who, who are not on exactly my political cup of tea were like, freedom of speech, Israel has, Isha has the right to speak. Also, given Plus that the, I- there's a precedent for these ideas. It's not like you've come out with- right. And it's not a precedent amongst like evil dictators either. No, it was pre- President Obama. Well, normal, you know-, you know countries in which these policies have been accepted so so within 24 hours at 4 p.m on the next day on sunday afternoon while i was handling a lot of other stuff i get a message from uh from julicious uh from david saying uh you're you're back back. that's what he wrote to me and uh and that's what that and it's very sweet also because you and julicious you you and david a bitbull right you guys fight yeah. on Twitter. It's not like you guys are like teammates and, you know, uh, uh, Charlie's Angels like fighting, you know, the fight together. Like you guys disagree a lot on different things. And yet there were so many people uh people who don't like definitely people who do agree with you. But also plenty of people who don't exactly agree with you who stood up for your right to say, you know, to represent your perspective on Israel on Twitter. And it was really very moving. And the truth is that Ishai, even afterwards, a lot of random people came up to me like at the grocery store, at these weddings yeah, uh, and events. And people were like, yeah, Ishai's back on Twitter. <laughs> you know, you know, it was interesting. My plight uh, made it into JewishPress.com. Yeah. Then JNS.org. Yep. Uh, then uh, Israel365.com. And then uh, Arut Sheva. No, I don't remember if Arut Sheva. I don't think it made it to Arut No, but it made it to Ynet, Israeli Ynet. Yeah, which is a very serious Israeli news uh, site. Yeah, in fact, I have to make sure to put that up on my my website so so it's on my Hebrew website. In any case, so that was me. I was was both uh, imprisoned and liberated. Uh, On this day. I was banned for life for 24 hours uh, in um, Israel. If you had a Hasidus, this would be a holiday. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Well, I like that. <laughs> Which part? The part where you have a Hasidus or the part where you get a holiday? No, I like that. I like that. Wait, wait, what was it? Was it, wait, was it, it wasn't Lagbomer. No, I don't it was, think it was Lagbomer. No, it was the day before. It was yeah. Lab, Le, Lev Lev Bomer. Bomer. Okay, Lev Bomer. Yeah, your own personal uh, the day I was get out of jail <laughs> holiday. <laughs> I will now celebrate, Blee Netter, uh, Lev Bomer is the day I was liberated from Twitter jail. Oh, you're right. It's like a Hasidic thing. I didn't think of that. Maka. 
Yeah. You made my day. I'm really happy. That's right. That's great. Well, I'm uh, speaking of happy, though, you know, we make light and we're having fun. I just want to bring it down here for a second and say that another round of rockets have been fired at ba- Gaza border communities and at Ashkelon, such a beautiful city, the city of Ashkelon, One a, of my a city that we love to go on vacation with our kids because it's a beautiful, gorgeous beach. There's a wonderful national park there where you can also be on the beach and see um, archaeology. And one of the most wonderful things about Ashkelon, aside from the fact that it is a seriously ancient city. Really? And historic city. Mm-hmm. Is that it is not... Um, it does not walk around with its nose up in the air. Ashkelon right. is a city of like nice people, regular people. The prices on the beach are normal elevated beach prices the prices of of uh groceries are normal restaurants are normal it's a normal people town um and you can walk around there and and uh, enjoy the beach as like a normal israeli without like you know paying tourist prices and things and it's just a, a very sweet town with sweet people and we're really uh gonna stop for a second and just offer our prayers that hashem should uh, be be merciful to you Ashkelon and should protect all the people there and all the properties there it's 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 uh, a dangerous time and we're thinking of you okay now let's let's ask the question what is these attacks really about and I got to speak to one of the world experts in the Middle East and in Arab affairs and Middle Eastern affairs none other than Mordechai Kedar all right folks Ishai Fleischer here I'm at the Bitchonistim conference this is a conference um of Israeli security folks, uh, and this is a kind of contra conference to the left-leaning security establishment type people who who have many times gotten themselves together in uh, organizations that claim that these reservists or captains or generals know what they're doing, and they say we should have a two-state solution. We should give land away, sit down with the enemy, give away our land to them. That's the only way forward. Peace, peace, peace. And so came this organization uh, that was the other kind. Uh, of nationalists, strong on Israel, strong against terror, uh, 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 military experts, uh, defense establishment experts, generals, etc. Uh, one of the people that they all listen to is Dr. Mordechai Kedar, Professor Emeritus at Bar Ilan at the Bank and Sadat Center, and really one of Israel's best known uh, Arabists and Middle East experts, and I also one of my teachers. Um, Professor Kedar, good to see you. Good to see you, Mr. Fleischer. So uh, last night, a uh, big strike against the Islamic Jihad, uh, three uh, top bad guys killed. Uh, is it a show to show that we're uh, strong on terror after 100 rockets flew in? Or is it really that Israel is strong? Is it just a kind of, because um, there's a sense in the field that we're not really that strong these days and that our enemies are arming themselves seriously against us. Which one is it? Is Israel strong in the area region or not? Well, uh, you're right. Uh, our enemies, especially those who are revolving around Iran, like the Hezbollah, Islamic Jihad, Hamas, militias in Syria, militias in Iraq, militias in Yemen, and others, uh, started to hope that uh, because of these petitions of pilots and other combatants here in Israel, they are not going to volunteer to reserve, to, to serve in reserve, uh, they actually it, um, undermined the Israeli power and Israel is not powerful anymore. And this is actually what encouraged them to start uniting their ranks in order to give Israel a hit, which Israel will not be able to answer. And we really started to see preparations 
to such a scenario, multi, multi-front uh, uh, scenario against Israel, which they started to prepare. And you wrote an article about this, it was sent around, everybody read it. And, and I exposed it, and because this is actually what they plan. Um, and here comes the, 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 what happened last night, and now Israel actually is put, putting into a test the ability of Iran to galvanize all these organizations under their umbrella, or under their ages, rather. Um, because if Israel hits the Jihad, Islamic Jihad, Palestinian Islamic Jihad. Which is an Iranian group specifically, right? Which is the closest uh, group to Iran from the Palestinian gallery of organizations. And Hamas doesn't interfere, and Hezbollah doesn't interfere, and others do not interfere. It will show actually that this alliance against Israel is very fragile if it exists at all. And this is, in my view, one of the reasons why Israel did it and restricted the hits to the Islamic Jihad. And then now we have to, to look at the, the, what will be the, 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 the future developments. I'm talking about even now or a few hours from now, will all this event uh, be, be the end and the Palestinian Jihad will lick its wounds uh, and, and uh, uh, live with this? Or will others join? And this question is the question because now the Iranians, in my humble view, they try to incite other organizations to get into the picture and to start acting to retaliate uh, you know, against Israel because what Israel did. And now the question is, do they have the power to convince other parties to take part in this or not? And the near future, really, during the uh, hours which will come to the most day or two, we will really see what is happening in this in this aspect of this com- of the conflict. Okay, uh, the conference is starting, so I'm going to let you enjoy the rest of it. Uh, people will be hearing this in a day or two after our discussion, so we'll see what happens. Uh, God bless you and keep up the good work. You too. All right, thank you very much, Mordechai Kedar. He is really one of my favorite people, an amazing human being, an amazingly knowledgeable human being, and an amazingly friendly human being uh, as well. Uh, Malka, uh, if we are concerned with the rocket attacks that we're facing right now, I must also say that the attacks are, are, are of many kinds. And as been pointed out by Mordechai Kedar, there's really a forefront war today, right. which is Gaza, uh, uh, South Lebanon, uh, the Arabs in Israel and in Judea and Samaria, and um, Iran. Uh, one of my friends was attacked with uh, with boulders and stones and was hit in the head. His name is Israel Israel Bloch. Uh, he's right now uh, fighting for his life. Uh, no, not no, he's, fighting no, for no, his life. No, Thank no, Hashem, he, yeah, but he's, he's fighting to return to total health. Right, he's he's fighting to return to his ne- his normal life. Right, uh, he's he has skull fractures. Uh, at one side, he doesn't hear well and all kinds of stuff like that. And so, right. uh, his and name with is absolute bravery, holding on to the hilltops. Uh, in Judea and That's standing right. up against uh, violent aggressors who want to uh, intimidate us right out of here. He's a shepherd uh, holding on to the land, Israel Bloch, Israel Ben Avital for prayers, and I will include a link to his, uh, his page uh, to help him get back on his feet. Um, Malka, the land of Israel is, uh, in, in times of non-conflict, is home to hospitality. 
that's people want to come from all over the world. Ben Bresky, uh, our beloved uh, sound engineer and also a wonderful storyteller, uh, has a story about the first hotel Ooh. in modern Israel. This is a moment in Jewish history. The first hotel owner in the land of Israel was Menachem Mendel of Kamenetz, who opened the famous Kamenetz Hotel in Jerusalem in 1842. Before this, there were guest houses, home hospitality, but not a modern hotel as people were used to in Europe, America, and other countries. According to Biblical Archaeology Review, there were no hotels in the land of Israel before this time, and pilgrims and other visitors had to stay at religious establishments, slept in tents, and hired a dragoman, or interpreter and guide. When Menachem Mendel Baum and his wife Sipa left Kamenetz near Brisk in Lithuania and moved to the land of Israel, they revolutionized the tourist industry by opening the Kamenetz Hotel and expanding to other locations, making them the first hoteliers in the country. Menachem Mendel was the son of Rabbi Aharon Baum, author of the book Takanat HaChamim. At his wedding to Sipa, daughter of a revered rabbi, Menachem Mendel insisted that he and his bride eventually move to the land of Israel, which they did in 1834. He published his book Korot HaAyit, which has been translated into English as Book of the Occurrences of the Times to Yeshurun and the Land of Israel, in 1840, in which he described his experiences in the Jewish homeland, both moving and inspiring as well as tragic and heartbreaking. He described a plague, an earthquake, and personally experienced the revolt against Ibrahim Pasha, an Ottoman ruler from Egypt, in which many Jewish civilians were brutally killed in Hebron, Sfat, Shrem, and other locations. He also described the warmth and hospitality of his fellow Jews whom he met and the historical sites such as the Wailing Wall, as it was called then, and the Cave of the Patriarchs and Matriarchs. In 2011, David Cook, a descendant of Menachem Mendel of Kamenetz, was a co-translator of his book into English. The following are some excerpts. From there, we sailed to the port of Haifa, a city in Eretz Yisrael, but there are no Jews there from our country, only Jews called Franken, or Sephardi Jews, at whose sole synagogue we prayed. These Jews greeted us with excellent fruits, such as figs, grapes, and pomegranates. It is two hours' travel from Haifa to Mount Carmel, which is near the sea. There we went to the cave of Elijah, which is cut out of Mount Carmel, a large cave in which there are still to be found stone benches upon which his students sat. People from many nations go there to pray, and upon leaving, write or etch their names on the wall. When we began to pray, the prayers poured forth from our mouths and tears flowed from our eyes. I had never prayed so in my life. And then I understood that this was the Holy Land, and I also wrote my name on the wall. Approaching the holy city of Jerusalem, we rent our clothing because of its destruction. 
Jerusalem is a large city similar to Vilna in Lithuania. It has a surrounding high wall and weapons called cannons mounted on the wall. It has five gates with doors of iron. All the streets are very narrow so that if two donkeys meet one opposite the other, they cannot both pass at once. Soldiers stand guard on each street. The houses are very beautiful, without roofs, only concrete coverings of stone chippings. We went to pray at the western wall of the Temple Mount, as it is the custom to go there every Holy Sabbath Eve, and whoever approaches the wall removes his shoes. After publishing his book, Menachem Mendel and his wife focused on the Kamenitz Hotel. Among the famous guests that stayed there were Theodore Herzl, founder of the World Zionist Congress, Menachem Ozhishkin, founder of the Jewish National Fund, Rabbi Avraham Yitzhak Cook, the first chief rabbi of the Land of Israel, and Kamel Ataturk, the founding president of the Republic of Turkey, as well as Jewish philanthropists Baron Rothschild and Moses Montefiore. The hotel held upscale weddings and had a synagogue and kosher bakery, which sold food at affordable prices. The poor, Torah scholars, and the elderly were offered free meals. Elizabeth Finn, the wife of the British consul James Finn, wrote in her memoirs that European bread could be obtained in Jerusalem only at the Kamenitz Hotel. Eliezer Lipa Kamenitz, the son of Menachem Mendel and Sipa, carried on the family livelihood, and managed and expanded the Jerusalem Hotel as well as several other branches in Hebron, Jaffa, Jericho, and Petatikva. The Hebron branch was called Eshel Avraham. In 2023, the Avraham Avinu guesthouse in Hebron was renovated and renamed Eshel Avraham after the old hotel which closed in 1929 following the deadly riots. When Theodore Herzl arrived at the hotel, he and his delegation were forced to stay in a small room, or as one version of the story goes, in a corridor. Theodore Herzl was not a religious man, but he respected his Jewish heritage and the faith of his fellow Zionists. Upon his first visit to Jerusalem, the train was delayed, and he and his delegation arrived in the holy city on Friday night after the sun went down. Herzl refused to violate the laws of Shabbat by riding, insisting upon walking, even though he was feeling ill. David Shuv, a fellow traveler with Herzl, wrote, As we walked from the station to town, I saw Herzl did not have the strength, and I told him that since he was sick, he was allowed to travel by carriage. But Herzl would not agree under any circumstances to ride the carriage and violate Shabbat. Even after I clarified that as a sick person there would be no violation, he replied immediately, This is my first time in Jerusalem, the holy city. I will not ride. Herzl wrote in his diary, In spite of my weariness, Jerusalem and its grand moonlit contours made a deep impression upon me. The silhouettes of the fortress of Zion, the citadel of David, magnificent. The streets were alive with Jews sauntering in the moonlight. Herzl coincided his visit with that of Kaiser Wilhelm II of Germany, whom he met. When he finally arrived at the Kamenitz Hotel, Herzl discovered it was overbooked and they could offer him only a small room. The Kamenitz family continued to operate their hotel chain for decades. 
Menachem Mendel and Sipa are buried on the Mount of Olives in Jerusalem. The original Kamenetz Hotel can still be seen on Hanavi'im Street, as well as the later incarnation by Jaffa Gate in the Old City. In 2006, Ruth Lefkowitz of Petatikva and her cousin Chaim Kamenetz of Savion wrote to the Jerusalem municipality suggesting that a street be named after their great-great-grandfather. And in 2010, the Jerusalem municipality named a street in Jerusalem in memory of Menachem Mendel of Kamenetz. This has been a moment of Jewish history. My name is Ben Bresky. Thank you to Yishai Fleischer and all the listeners, and Shalom. Ben, thank you very much for that fabulous uh, report on history, and uh, there's nothing like Ben Bresky's uh, great history moments. Malka, we talked a little bit about uh, the attacks that we face. Uh, we talked about the food that we eat. We talked about uh, the children that we're trying to have here, and we talked about the hotels that welcome people in. Let's talk a little bit about uh, the roots of Israel, Israel's holiday, celebrating its capital, Jerusalem Day, Yom Yerushalayim. And Rabbi Shimshon Nadel is getting us ready for the ultimate holiday, one of the holiest days of the year, which is Jerusalem Day, where we celebrate the return of the Jewish people to the land of Israel and the spirituality and the holiness in the center of it all, in the heart of it all, which is Jerusalem. And we're hoping that this holiday will be even bigger with the advent of the Third Temple. Here's Rabbi Shimshon Nadel, uh, who is uh, the rabbi of Jerusalem's Kehilat Zichron Yosef, joining us to tell us about the roots of Yom Yerushalayim. Shalom Yishai. The indelible images of those six miraculous days in June 1967, along with the echo of Matagur's battle cry, Har Habayit Adenu, the Temple Mount is in our hands, are forever seared into our collective consciousness. The defeat of the Syrian, Jordanian, and Egyptian armies, the dramatic unification of Jerusalem and reclamation of the Temple Mount, soldiers weeping as they touch and kiss the ancient stones of Jerusalem, and the IDF's chief rabbi, Rav Shlomo Gorin clutching his Torah scroll, blowing the shofar, and reciting the blessing of Shehechianu. On Thursday, the 29th of ER, just one day after the liberation of Jerusalem, and with the war still being waged on the battlefield, Chief Rabbis Rav Isser Yehuda Unterman and Rav Yitzchak Nisim called on synagogues throughout Israel and the diaspora to recite Hallel and offer up festive prayers on the upcoming Shabbat, the second of Nisan, to give thanks to God for the wonders and miracles he had bestowed upon them. The Moetzat Harabanut Rashid soon met to discuss establishing a festival to commemorate and concretize these miraculous events. And the idea was also discussed at a conference of leading rabbis at Heichal Shlomo immediately following the holiday of Shavuot. But with the initial euphoria following the Six-Day War waning and other important matters to address, the item was moved off the agenda. It wasn't until six months later, on the 28th of Tishrei, that the Moatzah, the Moetzat Harabanuta Rashid, met again to discuss Yom Yerushalayim. Rav Unterman suggested commemorating the day on the 28th of Iyar, the day on which Jerusalem was liberated. 
But Rav Shol Yisraeli, another leading authority at the time, uh, suggested Rosh Chodesh Sivan instead for the following reasons. Number one, he felt that the 28th of Iyar is just too close to Yom Ha'atzma'ut, and the day will just not get its due. Two, as the ceasefire was declared on Rosh Chodesh, he felt that celebrating the day would be similar to how Purim was celebrated once the fighting had ceased and the people rested from their enemies. And finally, three, he felt that celebrating on Rosh Chodesh would prevent any potential controversy over the recitation of Hallel, as Hallel is already recited on Rosh Chodesh. The decision was made to create a special committee and to include other leading rabbis in the discussion, among them Rav Yosef Shalom al-Yashiv and Rav Yaakov Bitzal al-Jolti. On the 8th of Tevet, they made a, met again and decided by majority to establish the 28th of Iyar as a festival, as a holiday. Following its decision, the chief rabbinate sent a letter to 17 additional rabbis, asking them to respond with suggestions on just how the day should be observed. A conference of rabbis was called for the third of Adar to discuss what tefillot should be recited and how to mark this special day. 38 rabbis were invited to the conference, among them great authorities, poskim, dayanim, and admorim, Hasidic rebbeis from the Haredi community. But unfortunately, only 11 participated out of all those who were invited. Following much discussion and debate, the following decisions were made. One, to adopt the 28th of Iyar as a day of thanksgiving as a full-fledged festival. Two, to recite Hallel without a bracha, consistent with the ruling of the chief rabbinate at the time regarding Hallel on Yom Ha'atzma'ut. Three, to request from the government to give a half-day vacation, a day off from work, or at least a half-day to encourage its citizens to celebrate the day. Four, to celebrate the day with a festive meal. And finally, five, they decided that further decisions would be made at a future meeting. After additional discussion and debate, a final decision was made on the 17th of Adar. The 28th of Iyar, initially called Yom Hodaya Visimcha, a day of thanks and joy, was proclaimed as a day of great victory of Israel over her enemies and the liberation of Jerusalem, the holy city, and was announced that it should be celebrated by Jews in Israel and again throughout the diaspora with... Number one, the reading of Shirat Hayam, the Song at the Sea, responsibly. responsibly. Number two, the recitation of Hallel with a blessing this time. They decided that it should be recited with a blessing. Three, a sermon by the rabbi or some other learned individual to publicize the miracle. Four, a recitation of certain psalms. And five, festive meals and celebration. Rav Unterman noted that the celebration suspends the customs of mourning for those who observe customs of mourning during this part, the second half of Svirata Omer. In ER, the decision was made public. Rav Unterman pointed out that this decision was for the first year alone and that there will be further discussions as to how the day should be observed in the future. Adding to the confusion, the decision was not well publicized and the broader community was unsure as to how exactly the day should be observed. Mizrahi and Hapoel HaMizrahi publicized special tefillot, prayers for the night of Yom Yerushalayim, and included certain psalms and festive meals and instructed people to light candles and to study certain sections of the Talmud and the Rambam, which relate to Jerusalem and the Holy Temple. Once the day had been adopted by the chief rabbinate officially, the minister of religion, Dr. Zerach Warhaftig, urged the government of Israel to declare a national holiday. But concern over the reaction by Arabs at the time to 
the celebration of the unification of Jerusalem prevented the government from making a decision and taking action. In fact, the United States sent a message to Israel's Ministry of Foreign Affairs expressing its opposition to celebrating the victory as a national holiday. Two weeks before the first Yom Yerushalayim, on the 14th of Iyar, the Israeli government decided it best that the day be celebrated as a religious holiday and not a legal or national holiday. It wasn't until March 23rd, 1998, 30 years later, that the Knesset would pass the Jerusalem Day Law, formally proclaiming Yom Yerushalayim as a national holiday. In the years that followed, the chief rabbinate's initial decision, Yom Yerushalayim would go through a number of changes and incarnations. They would add certain psalms and prayers. They would add the recitation of Yiskor for fallen IDF soldiers in subsequent years. The election of Rav Shlomo Gorin as Ashkenazic chief rabbi would also mean more changes. Already while chief rabbi of the IDF, Rav Gorin had created his own prayer service, his own tefillah chagigit for Yom Ha'atzma'ut, different than from that of the chief rabbinate. Now in his role as chief rabbi of the state of Israel, he would institute his tefillah chagigit for Yom Yerushalayim as well. It included certain psalms. And in the morning, he inst- instituted the festive uh, psuke de Zimmer, the festive morning service, and uh, similar to what is done on Hoshana Rabbah, Hallel, uh, without a bracha, although that he would ultimately change, the omission of Tachanun and Lamnat Seach. And uh, in subsequent years, as I said, he would change his mind about Hallel and encourage its recitation with a blessing, eventually instituting half Hallel at night as well, the night of Yom Yerushalayim, without a blessing. He also instituted the blessing of Shehechiyanu and Yom Yerushalayim. Ravavadi Yosef, who served as Sephardic chief rabbi at the time, did not agree with the additions made by Rav Gorin. While recognizing the miracles and wonders of the Six-Day War, for a number of reasons, Ravavadi believed that it's too premature to, write, to recite Hallel with a blessing. For a number of reasons. Number one, the opposition of many leading authorities to the recitation of Hallel. Number two, in light of the tragedy of many fallen soldiers and injured soldiers. Number three, he pointed out that King David did not institute Hallel following his conquest of Jerusalem. And four, our holy temple is still in ruin and we're still mourning. Instead, Ruvavadi believed that Hallel should be recited on Yom Yerushalayim without a blessing at the conclusion of the tefillah, the conclusion of the prayer service. But he also ruled that Tachanun should not be recited. It should be omitted. In 1989, Chief Rabbis Rav Avram Shapira and Rav Mordechai Eliyahu would encourage the broader public to celebrate this profound day and added the recitation of certain psalms to the uh, festive prayer service. In addition, they added the psalms and prayers which had already been accepted to recite by many communities on Yom Ha'atzma'ut. They affirmed the decision of Rav Avadia and ruled that at least for the members of the Eidot HaMizrach, the Sephardic community, they should recite Hallel without a blessing at the conclusion of the tefillah in the morning. Over the decades, gatherings and celebrations at the Kotel Yeshivat Merkaz Harav and the wonderful Rikud de Galim flag parade would develop as a way to mark the day. But due to the lack of clarity and confusion caused by the many changes and additions made by the chief rabbinate over the years, the religious Zionist community, who agrees the day deserves religious expression, has not yet come to a consensus as to just how the day should be observed. Hallel, with a bracha, without a blessing, at night, in the morning, or just in the morning. 
etc. Special sidurim and proclamations from rabbinical organizations have attempted to streamline the uh, tefillot and observance, but even today, different communities observe different customs. In addition, the day, unfortunately, is not celebrated by the Haredi community or the broader secular community. But perhaps this phenomenon is not something new. The Talmud in Masechet Shabbat records that Hanukkah was only instituted the following year. And as the Talmud in Tractate Megillah records, it took time also before Purim was formally accepted by the people. Perhaps Yom Ha'atzmut and Yom Yerushalayim will take some time to coalesce and crystallize until all of Am Yisrael, all of the Jewish people can put their differences aside and celebrate together these days of profound religious significance and meaning. All right, Shimshon Nadel, Rabbi, Rabbi, thank you so much uh, for joining us. Uh, and when I think of Rabbi Shimshon Nadel, I think about Rabbi Tendler, our Rebbe. And I think about Rabbi Tendler, I think about the Holy Temple Mount. And you can go visit the Temple Mount yourself next time you're here in the land of Israel. Check out highonthehara.com. They're sponsors to our show. They help you get up there in holiness and purity and preparation and in knowledge. Highonthehara.com. When you get off of the mountain, come to Hebron. Come to the forefathers and mothers, uh, the foundations of Jewish peoplehood, a town uh, under siege and yet open and bright and alive. Uh, Malk and I are going to be there for Shavuot, Bezrat Hashem. Uh, so check out hebronfund.org. Uh, they are proud sponsors of our show. We are proud to be associated with them, and I happen to work for Hebron, and I'm the spokesman uh, uh, of that town. So that's hebronfund.org. I just want to give an, uh, an update, Ishai. Uh, for better or for worse, there's a lot of action happening right now. Rocket warning sirens sound in Tel Aviv, Ramat Gan, Giva Time, Bat Yam, and Cholon. Um, major cities all. And uh, it's really heating up by the time that we post this show up for you to listen to. Who even knows what kind of situation we're going to be here. But this By the time we post the show, Gaza will have been subdued. Yes. And the good amen. people of Gaza will live free of Hamas and Islamic Jihad. And Israel will control Gaza once again. Uh, and, and hopefully the Sinai again. And keep the whole region strong and, and safe through being the defense contractor in unity with the Arab countries around us who are anti-jihad, uh, like Egypt, uh, like Saudi Arabia, uh, like the UAE, and we will have the Abrahamic region flourishing. That's, that's All what by the time we post this show. Inshallah. Which is really a lot that it's we're going to try to get done in that amount of time. Amen. Okay. So, uh, uh, Malka, there's, yeah, there's intensity uh, here uh, in the land of Israel, no doubt about it. Um, but we also have an amazing Torah portion, Malka, coming up. And this Torah portion is the one that... <sighs> there's really two Torah portions. It's Behar Bechukotai. Uh, one talks about the mitzvah of the seventh year fallow in the land of Israel, the keeping the Sabbath of the land, Shabbat Haaretz. Shabbat Haaretz is, is, uh, is how we know that this land is not like other lands. This is a land that needs to be Sabbathed. It needs to have a rest. It needs to have the spiritual time baked into it. A part of its DNA is spiritual time, God time, focus time. That law is told to us as coming from Sinai. Why is that important? Because the Sinai represents uh, Torah, and yet the heart of Torah is the land of Israel. The, the heart of the story of Torah, the, the, the two things come together. Spirituality, Torah, and knowledge of God goes together with 
the land of Israel. That's where it really meets its, its, uh, its ultimate form. And that's why the Torah portion goes out to tell us specifically uh, that the laws of the seventh year sabbatical in the land of Israel is taught to, taught to us in Sinai. Because Sinai represents Torah, and the seventh year fallow represents Israel, and these two things are together. Maka, and the second Torah portion is one of my very, very, very favorites. It is the Torah portion that lays out the blessings and the curses in the Torah. There's two blessings and the curses. This is number one. This is the less, you know, hard and vile one. This is the less, like, scary one. Yeah. And yet it's pretty scary. Okay. But it starts off with the positive. And I want to read it to you, uh, if we may, just a little bit of a Torah portion. This is, and I want to, I want you to know, ladies and gentlemen, that when you're out there listening to the show, I know how many Gentiles are listening to our show. And I know how many people are part of the international Torah community. I know about it. And I want to bless my, my friends at the international Torah community out there. And from now on, we will all celebrate together the 32nd day of the Omer. Yes. As the, the day Yishai that Yishai was, Yishai was liberated jail. out of Twitter jail. <laughs> and I, all of you out there, mark your calendar. You all have to okay? tweet something nice. That's right. That uh, day. That's it from that's now on. Celebrate. Very good. Uh, so here, it, Malka, is the last Torah portion in the book of, of Vayikra, the book of Leviticus. And here's how it goes. I'm going to read it in Hebrew and English. Okay, together, right, Maka? Just, okay. just the first, so, first part. Yes. Im bechukotai telechu. If you walk in my paths and in my, in my decrees and observances. But the Balaturim says, im bechukotai telechu, these first three words, it has a, three letters that, that start each of the words, which is Aleph, Bet, and Taf. Avot. Nice. If you walk in the pathways of the forefathers Bang. and mothers. If you walk in my stat decrees and observances. Ve'et mitzvotai And you keep my commandments. Ve'asitem otam. And you'll fulfill them. Ve'natati kishmechem ba'itam. I will give your reins in their time. Unatna ha'aretz yivula. The land will give its yield. Ve'etza sadei ten pirio. And the tree of the field will give its fruits. Your threshing will last until vintage, and the vintage will last until sowing. You will eat your bread until you are sated. And you will sit securely upon your land. I'll give peace onto the land. I'll give peace in the land. You'll sleep and there will nothing, nothing will scare you. I'll get rid of evil animals, i.e. jihadis, from the land. And the sword shall not pass in your land. You will chase your enemies and they shall fall before you by the sword. Five of you will chase a hundred. And a hundred of you will chase out a thousand. This is famous like military Torah. And your, and your enemies shall fall before you by the sword. I will turn my face to you. I will make you fruitful. And I'll make you... Many large, 
והקימותי את בריתי אתכם, and I shall fulfill my covenant with you. ואכלתם ישן נושן, וישן מפני חדש תוציאו. You will eat very old grain and remove the old to make way for the new. Whatever that means. These are halachic terminologies. ונתתי, but it says, still says, you know, you'll eat old, but also move, remove the old in the face of the new. You'll, you'll both, this is a great verse because it actually has in it, it's like, you'll respect the old and you'll have also the new. You'll have both. You'll be on the one hand, the well, traditional. Well, there's some old stuff is good, like right. old cheese, old wine. But or some old, old people. Some old stuff old like, knowledge. you know, old cornflakes. That's not good. Very good. Perfect. Get rid of that. Malka, you brought it down. Okay. ונתתי משכני בתוככם. I will put my holy place within you. My, my residence. Prime ולא, real estate. ולא תגעל נפשי אתכם. My uh, spirit will not reject you. Or really what it means is... You will not be ewy to me. Right. You will, I, will, you will not, like, I will not be grossed out by you. Because yes, you'll be cleansed. Yes, that sounds good. בתוככם. I shall walk amongst you, within you. והייתי לכם לאלוהים. I shall be a God unto you. ואתם... You shall be a nation unto me. I am Hashem your God. I took you out of the land of Egypt. From being slaves unto them. I broke, I broke the staves, that's the, the, the sticks, the, the, the wood of your yoke. And I shall walk you. Uprightly in the land. And I've said before, kumimiyut, this is my uh, innovation. Kumimiyut means kumi mimavet, arise from the death. That's what kumimiyut means. Arise, be reborn in your land. I'll walk you uprightly because you will have been in a holocaust and you will have been destroyed and yet I will re-emerge you. You will, you will, you will stand up and be resurrected and walk uprightly, i.e. back from the death. Uh, to your land, okay? This is the short version of it. Nice. Follow my ways, you'll be strong. You'll defeat your enemies. You'll live in your land. You'll, you'll, you'll follow my dictates. And, and what's not written here, but, but it's implicit, is that, and the world will be blessed through you. The world will be blessed through you. Yes, that is uh, the hope and goal uh, of our peoplehood, and that's what it's all about. Maka, it is a great time that we're living in. One of the ways to tell that time is through RetroWatch. Okay? Check out RetroWatchGuy.com. They're making Aliyah. Help so them. Awesome. Help them make Aliyah by buying a watch and help sponsor uh, their immigration to the land of Israel and have a great uh, 60s and 70s awesome watch uh, for your life. RetroWatchGuy.com. Uh, they're great sponsors uh, of the show. And thank you to JNS.org uh, and JewishPress.com. For putting out great news you're gonna have to tune in right now because we're at war israel's at war right now right. in fact there i just want to give another update go ahead um the, a house in steroid has suffered a direct hit uh i'm repeating a direct hit but nobody has been hurt thank god um but it's it's uh it's getting hotter it's, it's definitely hotter. it's definitely getting hotter there no doubt about it uh folks if you're out there wherever you are in your peaceful places Please pray for the peace of Israel. Please pray for the peace of Jerusalem. Please pray 
for the injured. Please pray for a better and stronger future. It is God's vision. I just read it to you. It, it can happen. It will happen. It's prophesied. Uh, and all we have to do right, is make that prophecy. Forward, right? That's right. Move it along. Uh, folks, if you love this show, please do me a favor and go to buymeacoffee.com forward slash Yishai. Buy me a coffee. It's just that easy to buy a coffee or two or three or a hundred uh, like our friend Christian and other folks that, that, that make it uh, uh, possible to keep broadcasting. Uh, there's, there's teammates on the team and we got to pay those folks so they can keep doing holy work. And that is uh, people like Yocheved, Moshe Herman, uh, Tabitha, Lou and Ben Bresky, who you heard on the show earlier. Right. So there's a lot of folks that make that happen. I, we try to, to try to you know pay the the good folks so right. that they can do great stuff and then live their life and support their families. Uh, so in the land of Israel, so please help us out. Um, and and that's very uh, uh, appreciated. Give us a five star rating. Yes, Check out that also. is key, by the way, and that does not cost you anything. Right. Please, if you're listening to the show, take a minute and go wherever it is that you get this show and give us a good rating. It actually makes a difference because it moves us up on the list of shows when somebody types in Israel show, they go, hmm, I'm interested in hearing about Israel. Wouldn't it be nice if our show was like high up on the list and then people would be like, that looks interesting, and then they would hear this show as opposed to some other show, which might not be saying quite the same stuff that we're saying, if you know what I'm saying. <laughs> I do know what okay? you're saying. And so please just give us a, a, a good rating. It's not for our personal glory, although glory is fantastic. It is for the glory of Hashem that his message should, should get out and that we are trying hard to promote here and that I know that you care about if you're listening to us. All right. So Shabbat Shalom to you. God bless you. Say Shabbat Shalom. Shabbat Shalom, everybody. Shabbat Shalom. I want to hear Shabbat Shalom back. Say it. Shabbat Shalom. Say Shabbat it out loud. Shalom. I can hear you out there. Shabbat Shalom. God bless you. Uh, may Hashem bless his nation with strength and bless them with peace and thank you for being part of it God bless you wherever you are lots of love lots of blessings lots of good energy from the good land we shall prevail Bezrat Hashem stay tuned stay strong stay connected and Shalom Shalom